0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of How's the Pressure. I am your host, Haley Winter, and this week I'm bringing in Rajam Roos to talk about online marketing for massage therapists. Now, Rajam started practicing massage back in 1999 and maintained a successful practice for more than 15 years. And she has since decided to pass along many of the tools to her success and to teach massage business owners the skills to take advantage of digital marketing and the confidence to do it successfully. Now, while there's a lot of information and programs out there to help people take advantage of digital marketing, there's not very much that's targeted specifically to help us body workers navigate those waters. I can't tell you how many times I've had students and colleagues tell me about how they avoid online marketing. And the moment it comes up in conversation, they're like deers in headlights. It's my hope that by bringing in Rajam to talk about this with me, that you can start to break this subject down into more understandable pieces. And hopefully by the end of this conversation, the subject may feel more accessible and perhaps even inspire a few of you to take that first step. Now, Rajam also happens to be the founder and CEO of the San Diego Pain Summit. So I had to slip in a question or two about that event. I have heard about this summit from several of my guests, and I'm excited to say that I'll be attending it in February of 2019. One of my goals there is to meet and interview some of the presenters so that you, as my listeners, can benefit from some of the subjects we'll cover there. So here we go. I give you my conversation with Rajam Roos. All right, Rajam, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, uh, you're a woman of many talents, and uh, today we're going to be talking a lot about online marketing. And I know this is a little bit of like a scary subject, kind of a gray area for a lot of massage therapists. We're really comfortable in the physical world, maybe the spiritual world, the 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 touch world, but the digital world uh, seems to elude us a little bit. And uh, uh, More than one massage therapist I've talked to just will avoid the subject, um, and as I have in the past. I know that's for sure. So I'm really honored to have you on because this is both a learning experience for me and I'm sure for a lot of my listeners. And so let's just dive right into it. Um, I'm curious, what are some of the most common misconceptions that massage therapists tend to have about online marketing?
1: So... It depends on what aspect of, of online or digital marketing. <clears throat> so for when it comes to uh, social marketing, most people just get on there to sell and they don't think about social as for building relationships. And instead they just get on and like they post, all they do is share maybe all the openings they have that week or what they have for sale or, you know, um, without realizing that it, that people are on there to socialize, not to be sold to. Um, When it comes to having a website presence, um, many massage therapists end up, well, many business owners, we end up creating a website that we like without considering what would attract our niche, our target audience. So like um, one thing I see is the use of really weird fonts together or, or colors, too many loud colors that I personally think look great together, but They're, and they probably enjoy it, but they're not thinking about building a website for their clients. They're building what they like. Um, and when it comes to like email marketing, um, a lot of massage therapists don't think that you need to email market. So it depends on, there's different misconceptions depending on, you know, what aspect of it you're talking about. All
0: right. Well, let's, (laughs) let's focus a little bit on the, the, the website, because you, you mentioned that people create what they like, mm-hmm. but not necessarily what their clients are attracted to. I mean, w- how do you balance the, the, the theory that, like, oh, if I put out the thing that I like, I'm going to attract the people that want to work with me, like that have similar likes? Does that hold any water in this context, or is that kind of uh, uh, self defeatist thinking in some ways?
1: I think it does in a sense, but. Uh so for example, a client that I had last year, she worked with athletes, right? But the images on her homepage were all of people working out at a gym, doing yoga. If I was a visitor looking for massage massage and I visited that site, I would be like, oh, it's for a gym, and I would move on. So it's it's like that kind of um, that's more what I mean, or thinking, um, we still want part of our personality to show through, but I think that it's a mistake to think about wanting to only work with people who are like you. Hmm. And I hear that a lot too from massage therapists. I only want to work on the type of people who I would get along with normally. And I think that kind of limits us with our client base. Instead, we should think about who is the, who is the population that we want to serve depending on our skills and, Um, what we're not good at. (laughs) So that's what I mean by that.
0: Yeah. I think that also when we work with people that we're not similar to, we end up learning about Mm -hmm. other people and about ourselves in relation to those, those other individuals. It's also interesting what you said about having people create websites that, like you said, with this, with this gym and yoga format, like it attracts the, the person who is active, but the, the, the creator of the site, the, the, the massage therapist doesn't understand like the psychology of what it means for someone to just show up to the site without any context. Mm-hmm. So they're missing that kind of link of like, Oh, how do I make that bridge so that they understand where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, oh, interesting. And so what about like social media marketing? I know social media is one of those things that massage therapists and people in general uh, are a little bit afraid of it's kind of like a a, a kind of a, it can be toxic it can be mm-hmm. uh salesy it can be voyeuristic H- how do you recommend people working with social media to to in a in a positive way
1: so one thing um you know i recently attended a social marketing conference it's the largest one in the states and something i learned there that was just a really fabulous idea Um, And it was in a branding workshop. And um, the instructor talked about choose four things that represent who you are. So, for example, that you don't mind sharing with other people. So, for example, for me, it would be hiking, good food, uh, reading, and dogs, right? So you can create a schedule where every day you make a post that revolves around one thing that you love, but you make it relate to the work that you do. So for example, I might have, and I'm not good at doing this. I just know that this is a great, (laughs) this is a great way to use social media to, to build those relationships. Um, But say for example, Uh, you like dogs. So I might have a photo of me with my dog on the beach and then write some, have some quote about some inspirational quote about, you know, walking in open air is a great way to take care of myself. Like our, like getting regular massage, walking out in open air is a great way to take care of myself, you know, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So that's a way of, of letting your audience know a little bit about you. Um, without really giving them too much information. Cause your audience doesn't really care who you are. Like we tend to feel like our clients think of us as friends and our clients will tell us, Oh, you're, you feel, I feel really close to you, but they're not our friends. They're our clients. So, um, yeah, I think that's a real clever way of, of setting that up. And then with Twitter and Facebook as well, you can use that to build relationships with other businesses in your area. So say for example, um, Say you work with cyclists, and there's a really large um, uh, bicycle shop in your town. You may start. You may start following them and kind of engage with them. But the trick is you have to be genuine. So, if you find this bicycle shop, but you're like, "Oh my God, the owner doesn't support the same politics I do. I don't think I can handle it." Don't fake it. You know, don't fake that you're trying to build a relationship with them because they can sense it, mm-hmm. but just be genuine and, and interact and engage. And eventually they may start sending you people because you'll be on their mind when they have customers who ask them about massage. So that's another way um, to use social, to engage with other businesses.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> that, that makes a lot of sense. I also like the fact that it is in it's, it's, it's it has authenticity to it and it's also very much Connected to how we want to behave in person, so a lot Mm -hmm. of people think about you know how I behave online. I got to be this like I have to do certain things that are online like. And in some ways, you're saying you just have to be yourself. You have to Mm -hmm. act as you would normally act, and and share something. If I go to like a party, I'm not going to go up to someone and say, "I'm a massage therapist. You should come and see me. Here are my available hours."
1: Mm-hmm. But, I but might, that's
0: what they do. <laughs> but but I, but I, what I might say is like, oh, I'm going hiking, and hiking's a really great way of taking care of myself, just like getting regular body work. Like that's a, a, something I might say to someone in person, and it sounds like that. It just like that. It translates mm-hmm. into into the online world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I'm so I'm curious about <clears throat> a mistake that you have seen or heard of recently in like the social media? end. we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the website stuff, but what's a, what's a mistake you've seen recently in like a social media context?
1: Well, as I mentioned before, um, just posting your availability, you know, like that's all you post is when you have openings Mm -hmm. or just posting what's for sale. And then also not being, um, it's important to still maintain a professional demeanor. So you don't want to have photos where, you know, you may be wearing party outfits or have photos drinking <clears throat> because really there's that, there really is that font that line that these are our clients and it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking they're our friends because we know them so intimately and they They experience us in intimate ways because we're touching them, you know, while they're unclothed, clothed typically, but draped. And it makes our relationship a lot more intimate. And that's why we have to be more, uh, that's why we have to be more uh, considerate of boundaries. And so um, I see people posting things on social for their business pages that probably should be left to personal pages, you know, like about a divorce or something like that. Um, I just thought of another one too, but I I forgot. Oh, and people using their Facebook for their website. So that's a huge mistake. So some massage therapists, they're like, I don't need a website. I just have Facebook. The problem with that is that Facebook is known for shutting down people's pages without warning. And you may not be able to get your page back. Also, your information isn't all in a place where someone can find it. They would have to search around on the Facebook page um, to find your information. And you're only going to attract people who are on Facebook. You're not going to attract um, now. Facebook pages do come up in internet searches. Your blog post, your, <clears throat> your posts on Facebook will not come up, but your business page will come up. But if somebody's searching um, on their phone, they're searching massage therapists near me. And there's a couple websites and somebody's some massage therapist Facebook page, they're not gonna click that. They're gonna click the websites, you know. So that's that's probably that's probably the a bit a huge problem mm. if you're using Facebook as your website.
0: Yeah. So another <clears throat> thing about websites is that you know they have this term SEO, which is search engine optimization. And I I know massage therapist, <laughs> as soon as that word comes out, uh, the eyes roll into the back of the head, the brain freezes, a glassy look comes over. So what would you say to massage therapists that have that type of reaction?
1: I would say you're right. <laughs> it is very confusing. It's just this rabbit hole. Um, you know, I started learning it because I couldn't afford to pay someone to do my SEO, but I have what my mom used to call an engineer's brand mind and I was very fascinated with it. And I just kept learning and learning and and every few months I'm like, okay, I think this will be all I'm going to learn, but it just doesn't stop. I just keep going. So I think what I would just say is, you know, there's just, you know, a few things that are important to make sure your site can be found by search engines and then just be careful if you're going to hire an SEO because there's a lot, there's a ton of people out there doing SEO and they don't know what they're doing. Um, And some of the SEO groups I'm a member of every day, there's people coming on saying, Hey, I just landed a $25,000 gig. How do you do a keyword research? (laughs) So I would just say um, I would probably direct them to resources that I find to be informative. So, you know, search engine journal, Um, and then a couple other uh, experts who I might recommend they they follow if they want to get more involved in it.
0: Uh, So it sounds like there are a couple of things that people can do that might help significantly. They may not be able to put themselves in, like, the best possible position, but they may be able Mm -hmm. to take care of quite a bit with just a little bit of work. What are, like, one or two things they can do that might make – a significant difference without necessarily like learning all of it.
1: Yeah. So you definitely want to have a Google my business page, Uh, try and get people to leave you reviews on the Google my business page, because that makes your site look, that makes your business look like it has more authority. And then of course your uh, title tags, you want to make sure your website, the title of your website um, describes your business and have the keywords at the front of the title You want to make sure you at least have an H1 a heading for each page. You want to make sure your images, uh, the alternative text is filled out, but not stuffed with keywords. So if you have an image of your massage office, uh, you wouldn't want to say, well, you could say massage office, but say you have an image of a calendar and it's on your website. You wouldn't want to say schedule your massage appointment today. You want to say calendar. Because the alt text is for people who have disabilities and can't and can't read. And if the alt text doesn't match, that can affect your um, site too a little bit. And then making sure that you have your address listed in the footer of your site. And really, if you just do a few things, you could probably outrank your competitors. Because most people, most small businesses aren't doing SEO. They're either not doing it, they're not doing it correctly. Um, So it's easier than you think to outrank the other massage therapists in your town. So sometimes just changing your title tags, you know, changing your title tags and making sure that your pages describe what your business is about and you don't need tons and tons of pages. That's like old SEO. Now you just, you can even have just a few pages, but they need to be rich in content.
0: Hmm. So, uh, one of the, the one of the only things I know about SEO is that it's constantly changing. That, <laughs> that Google and other other uh, organizations are modifying how they rank websites and how they search for websites. Uh, is there a specific website that you would recommend people go to look at to find basic recommendations on SEO stuff uh, that will be updated as things grow?
1: Yeah, I really like um, on YouTube Whiteboard Friday. Um, with uh, Randy Fishkin, he gives really good information. He's very sharp, um, and he and I like how he breaks it down. So I think anybody, so some of the people that I follow, I don't think the layperson will understand a lot of it, but he's one that really can speak to the layperson, and he's he stays on updated on top of things. And then also the fellows, I can't remember their names, but at uh, Go Fish Digital. They they also put out videos and stuff that are really good.
0: Okay, cool. And also
1: in lame you know, in in really easy to understand descriptions, like they're making these videos for the general public. They're not making them for other SEOs.
0: Well, I think that'd be really useful for especially for body workers who are not Mm -hmm. gonna learn a whole bunch of SEO stuff, but Mm -hmm. could really use one or two tips to put themselves ahead of the other the competition that surrounds them.
1: Yeah. And they don't need to learn much. You know, Mm -hmm. as I said, you only need to learn a lot more if you're planning on selling SEO services, which is what I do. But if you're just trying to work on your own site, it's not going to take that much effort for you to outrank your competitors Hmm. as a massage business owner.
0: So if you were to say how much money some massage therapist would have to spend to be a successful in marketing themselves online, how much, what dollar amount would you put on it for a yearly basis?
1: Including website and newsletter platform, maybe just a couple hundred dollars a year. The cool thing about internet marketing is that it's so cheap. I mean it's super it just takes time. So you just want to make sure you structure your time well. Um, and and it's also a good idea to plan out posts in advance and things like that so that you can have everything ready for the month to go. Um, but really a website, you can pay as little as $100 a hundred dollars a year. Um, and again, with the email platforms, which I don't recommend using MailChimp for free, the free version, but even that's, you know, like a hundred dollars a year, the, the lower. So not, I don't think you have to spend very much.
0: And how much time do you have to spend <laughs> putting together all of this content and materials, uh, on, let's just say, put it on a, a weekly basis.
1: I would definitely spend at least probably eight hours a week.
0: And is and that, is that in perpetuity? Like, do you do that every week, all, like, all year for the entire time you're in practice or does that shrink? More or
1: less, yeah. more or less. So maybe five to eight hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, again, what a lot of massage therapists do is that when they're busy and booked, they're not doing anything because they're like, Oh, I'm busy. Everything's cool. Then they're they're busy for four or five months, and then it peters out, and they're like, dang, I've hit a slow period. But what happens is when you stop working on your marketing, things will peter out. So even when you're super busy, you still have to make that time. Um, yeah, more or less. So maybe like four or five to eight hours.
0: Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> It's even- hard for
1: me to know because I have two businesses that I work on every week, so...
0: So you're you're in the double digit hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So last one of the last questions on the online marketing is uh, you mentioned the email marketing as a as a third component. And I'm curious, what do you think is like the correct amount of energy slash time should should be put on email marketing versus website versus social media? Like, how does that breakdown work in terms, how does that break down in terms of time or energy spent?
1: I think, um, uh, you know, social media would probably have the most website, the second newsletter, maybe newsletters and websites tie. I only send out emails once a month, uh, once a month. And what I would do is I would listen to what my clients came in to complain to me about, because it seems like people, it comes in groups So like one month I might get four or five people who complain about not being able to sleep. And so I'd write an article about setting up like a space, a ritual for sleeping, you know, that kind of thing. Um, You can't get away with sending an email just three to four weeks. You don't have to send one out every week. Unless you really love to write content, then sure, why not?
0: Mm -hmm. And do you think that if someone only marketed themselves online, didn't do anything else, uh, they could be successful?
1: Probably. I, you know, could be, because on the flip side, I know massage therapists who aren't anywhere online and they've never had a website. They're not on social media, maybe for personal use, and they're booked as well. I think that um, it would be cases of like rare cases of luck. I still think it's a good idea to combine your online presence with just getting out there and like, you know, footwork to get out there and meet people and network um, in, a, in personal on a personal level. So I'm more for like a, me- a mesh of different types of marketing, but I don't see why somebody could just be online and, and be success- successful. Like mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't see that that would be a problem.
0: So you have mm-hmm. a online class that you take people through massage therapists through to help them with their online marketing. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what is that process like? What is the programming? What What do you do with those individuals?
1: Well, I right now I just have two courses online. Um, and one of them is, is based on a workshop that I've taught here live at two different, uh, at a local massage school. Um, and so I've put it online to make it available to more people. Really, it's just, I just have created, um, I've just created, you know, the lessons. And so they just, they take, they follow the lessons at their own pace and then they fill out, do the quiz or whatever for the NCB B credit. But then I also have, if you're, I also have a membership academy, which if you're a member, you get the courses and then you get like one-on-one help and access to a forum. So if you're a member, then I actually will walk you through if you have questions about the content or anything like that.
0: And so this content itself, what are the, some of the pieces, what are the cornerstones of this content? What do they learn how to do? Uh,
1: So one of the uh, courses is website design and SEO on a budget. And I just break down what domain means, what, you know, what a URL is um, just the bare basics of what all those terms mean. And then what you need, like your different options, WordPress, um, the pluses and minuses of using WordPress, drag and drop, the, the pros and cons. Um, just really, what I like to do is I like to take a difficult concept, like having a website or like my other courses, your unique selling position, or unique selling, yeah, unique selling position. Um, I like taking a different, a difficult concept and then breaking it down and then building it back together in really simple, easy to understand terms. And I give activities to ensure that so if you do the activity, you're going to understand the lesson. So when you're learning about your competitive edge, I give an activity with that. So when you complete the activity, you're like, okay, now I get what a competitive edge is. And now I understand what my competitive edge is.
0: And do where would people find access to those online programs?
1: Uh, they can find them at growmassagebusiness.com.
0: Okay, excellent. I'll put a link into that uh, as well into the into the show notes. So you're clearly passionate about online marketing. And I'm curious, that is not the case with a lot of massage therapists. So I'm wondering, what got you into it? And why, what, what made you start this business?
1: <laughs> um, well, the funny thing is, is that I've always loved marketing. Even as a kid, I loved commercials. I loved seeing ads in magazines and, and really looking at the how they were set up as a way to like get you to make a purchase without coming out and saying, we want you to purchase this. And when I was 14, I actually collected business cards. So I had a business card collection, (laughs) like like how people had baseball cards, I had business cards. Um, And then, and the funny thing is I didn't even plan to have my own massage business. I was happy working for other people. But then two places I was working closed at the same time, and I couldn't find a job. So that's when I opened a business, and I found I was really good at the business side of it. And um, it's just something I've always, it just came natural to me. Hmm. And, uh, and I felt more like a business owner who happened to do massage than a massage owner who had a business. So, um, and I started the grow your massage business because I love business and marketing, and I feel like I can help other business massage business owners understand it in a way that's not threatening or that's not um, that's not overloaded with fluff or like misinformation, which I see a lot of out there. Um, not not necessarily in the massage world, but just in marketing in general. There's so much fluff out there, and people's trying to sell crap. That's They're just trying to sell you their version of their lucky break. It's not, you know.
0: Switching gears a little bit, you have another project. I know you have two businesses, but now you also have a totally other project uh, because you're the founder of the San Diego Pain Summit. Can you explain a little bit about what that conference is and why it's useful to massage therapists? Sure. So uh, the
1: conference is... Uh, basically to help clinicians understand um, what is out there in pain research, current pain research, and then how other clinicians are, how how they're creating frameworks for their own business, or for, their, for the way they help their patients and clients based on that research. So it's not really about coming and learning a technique. It's just people sharing, okay, this is how, this is what I do in my practice that's based on this research. And then I also have Uh, research scientists come and talk about research that they're doing that's kind of new and up and coming.
0: So what are some of the specific things that came up this last conference in February?
1: So this last conference, uh, there was a lot of focus on how to communicate with your client or patient. Um, I had a patient panel where three panelists Um, who live with chronic pain talked about their experience in the healthcare system and how difficult it was to get people to listen to them or having to deal with people who wanted to all sell them services to cure their pain. Um, And then mostly just because there is preliminary evidence showing that pain, educating your patients or clients about pain um, can help them feel better. And so I had a couple of speakers come talk about how they communicate their, to their patients and what that process looks like. And it doesn't mean all your clients are going to care. I mean, you know, I worked with a lot of mostly, most of my clients were coming in for relief of pain. And I had some that were like, they just want to learn everything they could. And then I had others that were just like, shut the hell up. I'm getting on the massage table, right? So you have to feel out what type of client that is. Do they want to hear more or do they just want you to shut up and do your work?
0: (laughs) Hmm. So what is the breakdown between research scientists and, uh, is it massage therapists that are also speaking as well?
1: Uh, The first two years I did have a massage therapist talk. Um, Actually the first year I had one massage therapist, the second year I had one. And then I think the third year, I remember how many years. One year I had two. So Ruth Warner gave a talk and then a massage therapist. Really the conference, um, when I choose presenters, the target is physical therapists. But I, I open it up to any, um, it's multidisciplinary. So I would say every year I've had about 60% physical therapists and 40, 45% massage therapists.
0: Hmm. Okay. So it is slightly weighted towards physical therapists, but definitely a mingling between the two. Mm-hmm. and what are some of the other presenters you've had there who massage therapists might know, like Ruth Warner?
1: Uh, Raven Sarah Trevillian. Um, I think those are probably the only two that are big in the massage world. Now, Eric Dalton comes every year. Last year, This last one, Whitney Lowe came. Um, Till Luchow was supposed to come, but he had some. he had to, you know, he couldn't make it out. Okay,
0: cool. Well, it sounds like a very interesting project that, I know that uh, I am going to be going this next year.
1: Yeah, that's right. You are going. That's
0: right. I've decided (laughs) to come. And uh, I'm excited for other body workers to to learn more about it. So what would be the website that they could check out to learn more about the Pain Summit?
1: They can go to sandiegopainsummit.com. I also have a YouTube channel. If you want to watch shorts, video clip shorts, I put up one up for every presenter. I put up a video clip of their talk and in most years, except this last one, I did the Q and a, so, so you can watch the Q and a. Um, and then there's also a membership site where you can pay dollars uh, 1299 and have access to all the videos, nice. all the, pa- all the presentations have been recorded and you know, some things are going to be probably not applicable for a massage therapist, but for those massage therapists who are really interested in pain research, they're going to find that information really interesting.
0: Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, before we go, do you have any questions for me?
1: Actually, I do have a question for you. What's that? (laughs) So I noticed that in your profile, you said that, um, the reason you started podcasting was because you had a fear of public speaking. So yeah. you thought podcasting would be a great way to help you get over that fear. Yeah, And, and so kind of along that vein, um, you know, video. So, uh, so Facebook feet favors video and YouTube favors video, of course. And so I'm always trying to get my clients to create videos of themselves or do Facebook lives for their um, groups. Um, and, just an aside off that uh, Facebook pages don't have quite the reach that they used to. So I recommend that massage therapists create groups, maybe based on health or whatever, and and work on building relationships in that rather than from their page directly, but creating lives about, you know, their, who they are, what they do and about their office. But a lot of them hate video of themselves. Like they can't overcome that, that shyness. So would you, is there anything you would recommend Um, for those therapists who know the power of video but can't seem to, like, everything has to be perfect or, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. um, The thing that comes to mind is that I know that when I first started doing the podcast, uh, you have to do a lot of editing, which means you have to listen to your voice a lot. And I'm, I'm pretty certain that I'm not alone in that my voice, when I'm heard, play back to me Pretty awkward. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound good. And I don't like the way I talk. And all of my verbal mannerisms my ums, my buts, my abouts they stick out like sore thumbs. And it's uncomfortable to have that kind of shown to you, reflected back so closely, uh, and listen to it multiple times. But I will say that there's no way to get better unless you get aware. And so the first step for me was 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 hearing myself and hearing all the little verbal ticks that I had. And the more I, I, I instead of recoiling from it, I, I leaned into it and said, Well, I, I I don't wanna say um and but and I know and you know every five seconds. So I'm gonna work on it and and i was able to have that that progress reflected back to me the more you listen to yourself the more you work on it the more you see it come back to you and that whole thing of hearing yourself talk being awkward and weird and kind of grating and uncomfortable that starts to fade it's only because you're uncomfortable with it and it's not and it's new that it really sticks so so hard and that's what i would say is that it gets easier. Not only do you iterate on it and you learn from it and you get more comfortable and then therefore you feel like you present better, but also you just habituate yourself to the sound and the feeling. And the truth is we're our own worst critic when it comes to that stuff. When we see ourselves, it doesn't necessarily match up to the presentation we have in our mind of of what we are, but the more you work on it, the closer those two things become one. So that would be my, my suggestion is keep at it because it does change
1: love it i'm going to use that next time somebody brings that up (laughs) yeah
0: well thank you so much rajam i really appreciate you taking the time
1: well thank you i appreciate it
0: well thank you so much for tuning in today if you enjoyed the episode please go ahead and review it on itunes And if you have any questions that you had wished I had asked or topics you want me to cover in the future, please visit the website at www.howsthepressure.com, where you can send me an email and hopefully I can include it. Until next time, be good and be well.